Episode six of the Ballgames to Boardrooms podcast. The title of this episode is Collaboration is King, a collaborative conversation with Brady Sadler. If you're a fan of brands, marketing, leadership, pop culture, sports, music, and especially collaboration, whether it's in your life or in your work, this is an episode for you. This is a conversation with my good buddy, Brady Sadler, who has worked as a consultant and brand collaborator and really a strategist as an entrepreneur for over 15 years. Brady recently released his book called Collaboration is King, and it's jam-packed with great principles for marketing and leadership and entrepreneurship, and it's presented in a very, very artistic way. So Brady is great because he's as creative as he is strategic. And he's as inspirational as he is genuinely passionate about helping and encouraging others, which is why he's a perfect fit for our community of encouragement on this podcast. So I highly recommend not only listening to this podcast, but also ordering his new book, Collaboration is King. It's available on Amazon, and I'll have the link in the show notes of this episode. Also visit www collaborationisking.com for more information on Brady and his work. And as Brady says, ready to play? Taylor Scott. B-Sads. Hello, my Brady friend. Sadler joining us on episode six of the Ball Games to Boardrooms podcast. And so I'm going to call this this episode Collaboration is King with Brady Sadler. Brady's one of my dearest uh, and longest friends, really, uh, in our professional and, and adult lives. And so uh, welcome, Brady, to the Ballgames Boardrooms podcast. And if you don't mind, uh, I'm going to build you up a little bit here and give give our audience a little bit of some background and some insight into you and who you are. How's that? Fire away. So Brady Sadler is an entrepreneur, advisor, and marketing consultant. He recently published a book called Collaboration is King, How Game Changers Create Marketing Partnerships That Build Brands and Grow Businesses. This is already a number one release available now on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And so what I also wanted to do is I wanted to to share um, the about the author page from the book in the back because i really want to make sure that everybody understands your awesomeness so here we go brady sadler is an entrepreneur with a passion for building strategic partnerships that support business and the arts he brings brings this to life through a variety of creative endeavors including consulting advising and speaking additionally brady is the founder of one band one brand a global community of creators who study the intersection of art and commerce and champion collaboration between arts, between artists and brands. Previously, Brady was the head of growth and innovation for GYK Antler, a marketing agency recognized as one of the top small companies in America. During his 10 plus year tenure, he worked with a range of client partners from startups to Fortune 500 companies across food and beverage, footwear and apparel, technology, healthcare, financial services, entertainment, and gaming. Before entering the agency world, Brady worked in professional sports and for the Walt Disney Company, where he received extensive training in guest relations, storytelling, and the creation of magical moments. 
And it was at Walt Disney World where Brady would meet Taylor Scott and become inspired beyond his wildest dreams. Brady's relationship with Taylor began on the ping pong courts of the pool at Chatham Square Apartments. And it flourished over the years in various theme park attractions and resort pools throughout Central Florida in the early 2000s and has since challenged and inspired his art, his work, and the gifts he's able to give us all today. We welcome Brady Sadler to the Ball Games to Boardrooms podcast. Brady, how are you? Well, after that, I am better than ever. Thank you. Thank you, Taylor. <laughs> I had to. Couldn't resist. One of the more creative introductions I've ever received. Good. Good. I've been inspired by a book I, I read a couple of weeks ago. We'll talk about that. <laughs> so uh, give the audience a little bit of background. And so you're, you're from Connecticut, but I'll let you kind of paint the picture of where you are right now today so they can kind of uh, kind of see, see what you're seeing. Yeah, so today I am in Bar Harbor, Maine, and uh, I am born and raised in New England, as you mentioned, but uh, this is pretty far north, uh, pretty much in Canada, uh, right on the border, and I have not spent much time up here, but I'd always heard that it was just a beautiful place, and uh, it is. Jumped in the, the ocean yesterday, which was refreshing, to say the least, and just soaking in the nature. It's, it's really uh, a special place. That's awesome. That's awesome. As only you can do on one of your artist escapes, as maybe we'll, we'll, we'll dig into <laughs> a little bit. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of, uh, kind of set this up a little bit. So, so maybe I added that last paragraph to kind of break the ice here to be funny. But, but in all seriousness, Brady, I'm, I'm so proud and, and lucky to have run into you literally on our, on our 18th internship back in the day in college or, or shortly thereafter. And truly, you're, you're quite a special fella to me and to so many people. You're, you're a groomsman in my wedding. You've, you've sent so many encouraging and inspiring messages and, and emails and, and even books to me over the years. I remember when I first moved to Vegas back in 2008, I, I came home one day from a long day at, at, at Wynn and, and Encore, and there was a package on the front on my front porch and it was just a book that you randomly sent me. It was, it was tribes by Seth Godin. I don't know if you remember that, but the example is just kind yeah. of who you are and just always let me know you're thinking about me and, and there to encourage. And so I just can't tell you how much you really have encouraged me and inspired me over the years to follow my own passions, aspirations, and, and this urge to create. And, and that, well, I appreciate that. And, and you know that the feeling is mutual and, it's been uh, it's been really, really helpful over the years. The conversations that we've had, you know, we go real deep on on subjects ranging from just you know life, relationships, family, all the way through to business and the ups and downs of of every career. And you are one of the most talented, natural born leaders that I've ever met. And and then I always like to follow that up. And you've heard me say this before with, you know, you put the work in to then take that natural talent and really maximize it. And it's those two things together that continue to impress and inspire me uh, whenever we connect or whenever I see any of the content you're putting out. So uh, I applaud you for continuing to do that and to, to give your gifts to everybody. And I'm excited about where that's headed for you in terms of this community of encouragement that you're building. Well, thank you very much. And, and that, that is why I wanted to have you on this ball games to boardrooms podcast from the beginning. 
my why, if you will, for, for not only writing my first book, but, but also every blog post or, or every podcast that I record is, is to simply inspire and encourage people, particularly with the book. I, I wrote it to inspire, encourage and connect with the up and comers in corporate America. So after nearly 20 years out here, kind of in the game as, as a leader in the hospitality industry, I just, I just keep meeting and really connecting with the millennial crowd. And, and like you, I'm over the whole let's hate on millennials thing. And, and you and I are borderline millennials in our own right, as, as we were kind of born right on the cut line between Gen X and Gen Y. Uh-huh. Uh, at any rate, uh, I know we have a number of millennial folks, and I, I say that to say this. I know we have a, a number of millennial um, and people our age, you know, this podcast and then also and 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 Lee and members are also listening so what we're shooting for with this podcast is is to bring guests whose stories are encouraging their messages are encouraging all they're people who share the same value and desire to inspire and encourage people who need it that's a single one of us at one time or another so so what i'd like to do with this particular episode to kind of have one of our usual conversations. And, and a lot of people may not know, we, you and I talk every couple of weeks as it is. And, and, and so I, I, we'll just have one of our usual conversations and there's so many questions. And, and I took some notes in preparation for this uh, that I wanted to ask you about the book and sort of what was going through your mind that, that you and I haven't even really talked about offline. Uh, so hopefully this will be cool for not only us, but, but also everybody that's listening, maybe they'll pick up some nuggets and especially go out and get the book and, and dive a little bit deeper. So I, I, I was, in, I was in, incredibly inspired and encouraged and really challenged to, to step it up in a few areas of my own life and work. So um, I believe in you and definitely believe in your message in the book. So I'm compelled to do all I can to help you introduce it to as many people as possible, especially those who would benefit from internalizing the principles, ideas, and applications, really, that, that you've packaged beautifully in the book. So I have some notes here, and, and we'll go through some highlights, and, and we'll kind of dig in. Uh, so again, the goal, we're going to try to go, go 30, 45 minutes. I know that um, all my episodes so far have been sort of around that 20-minute mark, but when we have guests on, we may go a little bit deeper. I want to make sure we're given as much value as we can. Um, and then also some encouragement, maybe for that project that they may have coming up or an endeavor they've been thinking about but haven't taken the leap. Or maybe even for leaders and marketers listening, maybe our conversation today will strike a chord with, with one of these threads and, and they can get their fire reignited like mine. When I was, when I read through your book, by the way, in world record pace, I think you, you sent it to me and I, I would, I would snap to whistle coast to coast within 48 hours and it's 370 pages. So I'm kind of proud of that. I gotta be honest. You should be. <laughs> All right. Uh, actually, I want to start with this question because I was actually talking to Rob last night. And so he brought up a good point about you and your book. And Jenna, my wife, also said something similar right when your book came out. So I want to put you on the spot right out of the gate here, and then we'll dive in. But what would you say to people that go, you know, I like Brady, and he sounds like a good guy and everything, but I don't know much about marketing, and 370 pages is an awful lot. I'm a little bit intimidated. I don't know if I'll understand anything in there. So what would you say to somebody like that? about the book well yeah i i would say first and foremost you know if you're interested in 
the way that the media works today to try and reach you as a human, as someone who's constantly consuming. And in this unique culture that we live in, when we're on our phones a lot, even if you're someone who tries to you know, have a practice where you're mindful and not on your phone all the time, you're probably still, relatively speaking, in terms of the history of, of even the last 20 years, you're on your phone a lot. And you're seeing messages, you're connected to friends and family more than ever before. And you're uh, just living in this time when I think being mindful about media and brands and how communication works is is important. And so there's a lot of lessons in here, a lot of little stories. And I unpack some of the way that the media is kind of blurring together. You hear a lot about, you know, politics and fake news and, and many things that are also impacting our society. And, uh, you know, this is a, a light read in that regard. We don't get into anything too controversial, but I do think it, it helps people kind of understand how uh, many of these different platforms are growing and becoming part of our lives. I agree. I agree. It, it is a, a much lighter read than somebody might think when they when they see the cover there. So, you know, don't judge yeah, a book the, by the, its cover. Right. And the other thing would be, you know, I'm passionate about sports and music and fashion and all things pop culture. So as you know, there are a lot of little stories about those things and a lot of nostalgia. I find that looking back is a great way to understand where you are today, how you got to where you are, and perhaps some clues as to how you might move forward, whether that is to say you want to change how you want to be in the future, or if you want to repeat great accomplishments and, and double down on certain things. Um, you know, I don't want to harp on looking back in terms of the, the negative things or uh, do it in spite of looking forward, because obviously, you know, being present and appreciating today and working towards whatever it is that you're out to achieve in the future is really what the game is about. But I do think that there's value sometimes in looking back, uh, particularly if you're, if you're stuck or trying to, to figure out how to navigate a situation. There's, there's lots of lessons that can be learned by doing that. In page nine here, you, you prepare the reader for the sporadic and intermittent run-ins with bumblebees, which are art, <laughs> artfully designed and, and placed with precision around a number of words throughout the book. Tell us the story behind where the bees came from. Yeah, so, you know, we, we as fellow marketers and people in the business world in, in general have our own lingo that we pick up. And I think it's through a variety of different uh, channels. It comes through the books we read, the meetings that we have. Um, the, the people that we spend time with. And, and you and I, as we love to do, we'll, we'll go deep on these topics and then we'll call each other and say, you know, hey, what do you think about this? And so we develop this whole language. And one of our other friends, Sonny, will often call us out on that and, and recognize that, hey, guys, you know, like you guys are, are in that little bubble 
and the rest of us don't know what you're talking about and you sound kind of foolish sometimes <laughs> and and we love it and so i decided and i saw a connection between that and some of the writing that i was doing realizing that i'm using a lot of these terms that um, are sort of insider kind of lingo and then i also realized that a lot of these terms have different meanings even within that little bubble and that inconsistency can cause uh, problems when it comes to communicating, when it comes to working with others and setting expectations. And so overall, I think buzzwords are kind of fun and interesting, but being mindful about when we use them and, and trying to keep things simple when possible so that we can better communicate is, is probably a good thing to do. So I just call myself out by highlighting these buzzwords when I couldn't avoid using them. And uh, again, with the theme of kind of looking back, I, I looked at when I was younger and my friends and I always had these fun little phrases and slang that we would pick up and it made us feel like we were part of, of a tribe, like that book that I sent you and, and of a community. And these are primal instincts, you know, being a part of, of a group is something that, that we've as humans have always been uh, been interested in or, or felt the need to, to be for protection for just our livelihood. And so I think using these buzzwords is a way to connect with people and feel like we're a part of something. So uh, decided to try and have a little bit of fun with that and, uh, and give you a little shout out. So we'll try today not to use too many buzzwords and be mindful of that. But when we inevitably do, uh, you know, if you're listening out there, send us a message and, uh, and call us out. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love the I love the art of it. I love how you dropped it in there. One of the best compliments I got from you know somebody in our tribe uh, when when ball games to boardrooms launched last year, TJ TJ called me and left me a voicemail and he said, "I just read your book and it was it was like sitting down with an old friend," mm. and uh, that meant a lot to me. And so. As I'm as I was reading your book and I saw the little the little bees throughout, I was like, it was like sitting down with you for like 48 hours. It was really cool. So, the book kind of starts off with a conversation about sports. So, very fitting for this podcast and certainly right up my alley. Um, I was captured right out of the gate, hook, line, and sinker. You talk about your passions for both sports and music, and from a young age, as you mentioned. Um, how that shaped your career and your life and how you approach work uh, to this day. So I love this quote um, that you put in there right out of the gate is, I realized that sports and music provide inspiration that can help improve any business because they are both built on layers of collaboration. I love that so much. Somebody should write a book called Ball Games to Board. But great, great uh, question I wanted to kind of go to next was, what's the power of sports mean to you personally uh, for your work as a marketer and an entrepreneur? Well, I think that back to what we were talking about a moment ago in terms of, of community, when you think about being a fan of a team, of a player, that means that you're part of something bigger and you are willing to show that fandom in a variety of ways you might purchase a jersey you might go to a game and you know when you're a kid maybe you made a sign and and held that up maybe you collected sports cards or autographs think about the lengths we would go to 
to get our favorite player to sign something for us. Uh, this is a passion that exists on a, a really, really deep level. And for brands and marketers, if you can come even close to the kind of passion that happens between a fan and a sports team or a player, you're doing a pretty good job. So, so uh, uh, at its most basic level, I think that's a parallel where if, if you know, brands can strive for. I also think that in sports, as I described, there are so many different elements to and surrounding a team, for example. Um, and that includes lots of different brands. The, the players themselves, as we know now, where individuals have the power to create their own platforms to reach and influence people. The players are brands. The brands on the jerseys themselves in some sports, like NASCAR, there's lots of brands literally on the athletes. In others, like the NBA, they're just starting to dabble with that. Uh, but, but it's right there now on the jersey. There are brands that sponsor the venues themselves, right? The naming rights sponsors. There are the vendors. There are many different brands in this ecosystem around every sports team. They all fit together in this really interesting way. And we all know when, when there's a brand that's sort of out of context in an, in a game experience, if we're in an arena or a ballpark, and you see a brand that just is trying to do something that feels forced, you kind of know, you can feel it, right? So that was a lesson for me when it came to looking at who brands outside of sports surround themselves with and thinking about what are the parallels between an ecosystem around a team or a player and an ecosystem around a brand. I think that just like executives in sports are deliberate about who they work with from a brand standpoint, uh, so should brand managers of product services or, or other experiences. For sure. So yes, it's the old emotional connection thing. And, and I love your writing style too. You, you, you paint the picture of what it was like as a kid walking into Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, you know, and you kind of just – I was I was there with you as like the street vendors and the sirens and the, as you put it the orchestra of honking horns <laughs> and I I couldn't help but laugh man when because I mean I'm I'm born and raised in Kentucky and kind of grew up a Reds fan and then kind of fell in love with the Cubs when I was 17 and then I met a bunch of people from Chicago who are hopefully listening to this podcast Sonny and and Anthony and uh, Tara Fitzgerald that old crowd and and uh, and I fell in love with the Cubs but anyway it reminds me of when when uh the only time i've ever been to yankee stadium was with you mm. and justin griffin i don't know if you remember that we were we were in the anheuser-busch suite so as, as i as i not so humbly brag about the experience i mean i didn't have to pay for it I, we were riding on justin's coattails for getting us in there but but uh the experience it was unbelievable we're, we're out there in like the anheuser-busch place and it's we're in left center field and at one point i always remember this i had i had kobe beef lobster and ahi tuna on my plate simultaneously while the Yankees were playing <laughs> one of the best one of the best random Friday nights of my 39 year existence well, on the planet let's just say we didn't have any Kobe beef when I went as a kid much more experience <laughs> but uh but hey you know what we've been very fortunate over the years and uh and some of our friends have gone on to do some pretty uh, incredible things and have opened us up to other experiences. So shout out to Justin for, for helping, uh, helping us have that one. For sure. 
So what's your favorite memory of, of working for the Manchester Wolves? That's a kind of a, 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 a pro arena football team, right? In, right. Man- in Manchester, New Hampshire. So that season of your life, uh, I love how you give that some love early on in the book. And, and we do have a few folks who are listening to this right now who do work for sports teams and they're in – and or they're in the event space. So what advice would you give to them around collaboration in their roles in that space? The best advice I can give is to think about the partnerships that that your respective team or brand is doing with other brands. And in my experience, we had uh, many, many different corporate sponsors or partners, as we like to call them. And what I really learned there was to get as creative as I could with how we would activate those partnerships. And, and by that, I mean, if they're going to invest money with the team to get in front of the fan base, then it was uh, the onus was on us to figure out how to do that in a way that felt really genuine, felt like an added value, not just an interruption for a commercial message, something that really created the type of experience that made someone even more of a fan of the team and of the brand. And and having those two closely aligned around that type of an experience can be a very powerful thing for everybody involved. So really just thinking creatively about, hey, what kind of, of experience can I help create? that is really unique and is something that this brand can't find anywhere else. And at the end of the day, the ultimate sort of filter is, does this add value to the fan experience? And if it does that, then, then you're in good shape. How's your moonwalk these days? <laughs> well, I busted out on, uh, every chance I get, every dance floor that I touch, but uh, that's debatable. You, you probably have to ask my wife about that. I need you putting out some content somehow of you dancing at a wedding <laughs> because uh, you set the bar pretty high there. So it, it didn't take you long to bring up Michael Jackson in the book. I mean, I think, I think we went 18 or 19 pages and then when we brought up MJ. By the way, when it turned 60 yesterday, just read. Um, so you brought it up in the context of the MTV era when we all rebelled against our mom's ban on watching it. Where I grew up, it was Channel 18, uh, and they tried to ban it, but they were unsuccessful. My parents were about as successful as yours were of, of keeping me from watching MTV. But uh, so transition to the topic of music, your other one of your other passions. So I wanted to ask you about this soundtrack. Uh, you have a couple followers on that playlist on Spotify, uh, myself and my wife. And uh, so we're grilling out by the pool over the weekend. I was on the ones and twos and I put it on the collaboration is King soundtrack on Spotify. And then it just happened to be those couple Michael Jackson songs you have on there. And they went back to back. So Jenna goes, so Brady soundtrack is basically a Michael Jackson messed up. That sounds, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. I've, you know, I've always been a fan. I remember when I was a real little kid, I had the, make your own studded glove kit. I would mimic his moves. And, you know, that was something that I had never seen, of course, because I was a little kid, but the world had never seen entertainment like that. He was breaking new ground with every 
album he released, every corresponding video and the medium of the music video was really just beginning. And, and of course he was, he was the king of that. So, um, you know, the other thing about Michael, when I saw him, he was a fully formed entertainer. He had his 10,000 hours to use a buzzword, uh, under his belt by times 10, probably right. Because of the Jackson five and, his upbringing. So, you know, you don't just come out of nowhere and be Michael Jackson thriller. You for over a decade, almost two decades, probably at that point are honing those skills. So lots of lessons there, but just, you know, really had me inspired and that within the context of MTV, where all of a sudden, you know, the, the ads started to look like the music videos and the same people who were showing up in the music videos were showing up in the ads. And, and the idea that it was somehow a little, little dangerous and that maybe we shouldn't be watching it, of course, made us want to watch more. All that happening at the same time was really interesting. And, and yeah, I touch on, on that as a pivotal time uh, where those things blurred together and you started to see some collaborations happening that, um, we're new and different. For sure. Speaking of collaborations, one of the coolest things you've ever done, by the way, is making the soundtrack to go along with the book. So creative and just and just fun. You remember like, what was it, last week when I finally like go on there and I'm actually listening to it. I was I was stretching here, getting ready to go do cardio. And I was texting you and the boys. I'm like, I feel like I'm I'm like in the kitchen, back on the internship with Brady. We're getting ready to go out and Brady's playing songs. I love it. And so I've been jamming to it for the last week or so here, but, but walk us through that idea that how that came to you and then how you picked each song on there. Uh, and then what I figured this will do organically buzz is kind of begin to surface some other themes and underlying inspirations throughout the rest of the book. Yeah. So the music you, you said earlier about sports and it's just as true in music is emotion. And this is, again, primal, and there's something that happens when we hear music in our, in our minds, in our bodies, in our souls, and it grabbed me at a young age, and I've been just so passionate about music for my entire life. I dabbled in music playing when I was a kid, but I just didn't have the attention span to stick with it. I still love to, to mess around on the keyboard and the guitar and uh, it's just it's just one of those things that, that I hope to continue doing my whole life. And we bonded over that. And with this book, I wanted to build in some layers of, of creativity and of interaction that, that could be there for the audience and anyone who stumbled upon this. And so I figured, well, you know, why not a music soundtrack? And you could listen to it while you're reading. If you're someone who can do that, if you need quiet, maybe it's just something you take to the gym. Maybe it's just something that gives you an idea to say, wow, I'm working on something in a totally different medium. I never thought about maybe attaching some music to that. Um, if, it, if it gives you any value, then, then you know, mission accomplished. But I just wanted to layer in some more interaction and thought music would be a fun way to do it. The songs themselves, each map to a different theme in the book and they actually go in, in chronological order. So 
there's uh, either deliberate mentions like Michael Jackson, so then he's on the playlist, or there are just other little themes, and I tried to find songs that that I thought fit with them. Uh, I know you enjoyed the uh, 90210 theme song, which uh, which makes its uh, its cameo in the book when I talk about uh, the great sports writer and podcaster Bill Simmons, who was someone that I read about, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago or so when he was early in his career. What I thought was so interesting about about Bill, and this is now a widely observed insight, but he would write about sports and unapologetically include references to pop culture. At the time, sports writing was very focused on sports writing, and it was a little bit weird if you would bring in some you know, commentary on a TV show or compare a player to an actor in a show. And Bill just went for it. He blurred the lines and he connected dots that were natural for him. And guess what? Of course, for the audience, because there were millions of people out there thinking the same thing. And he had the guts to, to just go for it. And the rest is history. You know, he's, he's a, a superstar in his domain now and deservingly so. Yeah, that was a great piece in the book. I like that. Yeah, so the 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 tie-ins when you when you kind of purposely or purposefully selected the songs and it, and it related to some of the things you talked about, all of them are related to at least something you talk about in the book, uh, is a great move. Helps reinforce almost like you can tell you come from a family of educators because it kind of reinforces what what we can what we what we're learning as we're reading your book. And but from a music standpoint, just pure jam and kind of like feel good, you know, playlist. It's also cool because I mean, you go from everybody needs to check it out on Spotify. You go ants marching Beverly and somehow I've, I've sorted here alphabetically, but Beverly Hills, not and theme song center field by John Fogarty changes by David Bowie, uh, the entertainer by Billy Joel. And then it's like, forgot about Dre, Dr. Dre and Eminem. It takes two, so you're starting to see the collaboration there. Jam by Michael Jackson, because it's kind of your deal with, okay, you want to jam, you want to collaborate, you want to get down, you want to uh, talk to each other. Man on the Moon by R.E.M., because you talk about that whole Jim Carrey piece about that movie that he played, or they, it was about the guy, whatever that was there. Right. That, Andy Kaufman, uh, yep. Andy Kaufman, that was, which is a great story, by the way, in, in Chapter 9, which I want to get to. But anyway, well done on that. Thank you. Um, so... Um, Another dime I liked was, uh, and I loved this, how you put it, your, your take on creativity and collaboration, particularly uh, Plomer's definition of creativity. Unpack that for us, because you, you reminded me of that the other day when we were talking. And I wanted to ask you to kind of break down that, um, because this is another area where this may pique some interest for some leaders and marketers um, and even a few salespeople who may be listening to this right now. When I was doing research for the book, I came across this quote and my head just exploded. It was one of those moments that was uh, something that just felt meant, like it was meant to be. And, and this quote is that creativity is the ability to connect the seemingly unconnected. And to me, that means when two things come together and they they immediately resonate with you but they also 
cause you to think a little bit or get excited or, or intrigued. That is when the seemingly unconnected, which the underlying thought there is that they actually are connected. They're just seemingly unconnected and you need to, you need to think a little bit or you need to spend a little bit of time with it. And, and there's almost a little challenge, mental challenge in there that, that kind of sets something off in a really positive way. And so I just loved that because I think that's what is at the root of any great collaboration. And uh, there must be what I call fit, shared values, shared goals, shared target audiences in order for, for two things to really work together. But they don't always have to be extremely obvious. And that's where that seemingly piece comes into play. So for anyone who is out there trying to, you know, whatever you're trying to achieve, think about how you might pull from one or two different disciplines or how you might pull in someone from a different team or how you might partner with another brand that might not be instantly obvious, but when you go through the filters of whether or not you're complimentary, you start to realize that you are. And by connecting those two things, you, you tap into the power of collaboration. For sure. For sure. Speaking of collaboration and minds blowing, I love the collaborating with character segment for obvious reasons. Of course, uh, the modern marketer you showcased in that chapter on uh, foundations for collaborations featured our dear friend, Laura Kazai from the mothership as she's the, she's the manager of product development and merchandising for the Walt Disney company. There were, there are a few. And so I know there's a lot of Disney alumni and also current Disney cast members listening to this. So I uh, kind of wanted to touch on this a little bit, but there, there are a few parts throughout the book where I, I got a little choked up and even teary eyed out of just pure proudness and happiness. And this was one of them. When, when I lived in Orlando, Olsen and I hung out with Laura quite a bit. And I remember, I remember when we first introduced you to her, I could, I could literally find actually blowing and the wheels turning. There was, there was one afternoon, I think it was actually the day after Rob's wedding. Um, we had, we had already moved away from Orlando at this point. It was in 2011. The day after Rob's wedding, when I was rocking the Mickey Mouse ringer t-shirt, with white shorts and flip-flops on purpose because I didn't want to go to House of Blues, which is a club, you know, later that night. But somehow we ended up there anyway after a full day at, at Epcot. But 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 uh, that day, and by the way, that was the day we, we all ended up meeting my now wife, Jenna, for the first time. So I'm glad we went. <laughs> but, but that day started, if you'll remember, with, with you and me getting antsy, waiting on the boys to get ready, and then you and I actually met Laura for a drink at one of the Yacht and Beach Club bars. You may not remember, but forgive me for being dramatic here, but, but I really do recall just sitting there, sipping my cocktail, and listening to the two of you talk shop. So that, that's going to be seven years ago now, this November. It's just absolutely crazy to think about because I can remember like it was yesterday. At least I remember the early parts of that day. But, but, but walk us through your thought process for layering in these marketer segments. And if you would... Tell us more about your conversation with Laura and your favorite things about that topic, which you both so eloquently unpacked. Uh, we have several several Disney cast members or Disney alumni listening, so this may be of interest to them. That you know, Laura is a really great friend and a brilliant business person and marketer who 
over the years has had a lot of interesting roles in the company and she has created a number of collaborations. She was instrumental in the Disney and Dooney and Burke collaboration. And you see those bags all over the place. So that was a huge success. Uh, she's worked on the Star Wars merchandising, which they really modernized when, when Disney got involved with, with the brand. Uh, so I, I just admire her so much and was really grateful that she was interested in contributing to the book. So there's a, a Q&A in there with her. And I talk about the fact that you know Disney was a pioneer in everything brand product, uh, entertainment, but also collaboration. And there were some really interesting examples that I found uh, that I wasn't even aware of until I started doing some research. For example, when Walt and his engineering group was hired to help with the World's Fair, he developed some attractions with brands. And those ended up after the World's Fair being moved out to Disneyland. And he was able to test out these experiences on the dime of these other brands. And of course, they turned out to be a huge success. So the brands uh, won as well. But it was just really smart and interesting to see how he used collaboration to fund and build out some of the things that he had imagined. And, and that, of course, continued to be a theme with the way that Disney did merchandising and licensing. And, you know, I talk about the fact that licensing is something that can also be seen as a collaboration. So when you take your intellectual property, say a character, and you allow another company to then create products, services, or experiences around that intellectual property, you are empowering them to be a steward of your brand. So the more that you can look at that through the lens of collaboration and really work on it as a partnership, the more likely it is that it's going to not only maintain whatever value proposition that you've set forth and whatever awareness and uh, appreciation for your brand that exists, but it's going to reinforce that, expand it and grow it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I love the modern marketer um, dabs throughout the book and I love the collab segments at the end of every chapter as well. So walk us through the collab concept you do at the end of every chapter and what sparked that idea. It, it's awesome. And it, it kind of reminded me of, of the cool teacher in college, like the ones you didn't mind doing homework for. Like when, when you ask us to do something, like I found myself like actually making some notes and being like, I'm going to go back and actually do that. Well, that is directly meant to get people taking action. And, you know, we are all, uh, we are all guilty of getting inspired and then not falling through at times. And when you're someone like you or me who's so curious and gets excited about things and can't wait to just take in experiences and learn, you are often distracted by things. And before you know it, you're on to the next thing. And, and I, again, that happens to me all the time. And so the first thing is to just be aware of it. And the second thing is to just try to build up some habits that help you maximize those experiences so that you don't 
those experiences so you don't miss one. And, and that if you did find a nugget that is really useful and really pertains to your situation, that you can take advantage of it. So that comes usually from taking some sort of action based on whatever it is that you learned or experienced. And this is my way of attempting to help people do that and try to internalize the lessons and the stories that are here in the book. So at the end of every chapter, there's this collab, as you said, which is really just an experiment. And they're themed around four different things. One, personal passion or doing what you love. The second, self-awareness or playing to your strengths. The third is curiosity, honing your vision, being able to see things. And creativity or connecting the seemingly unconnected. So those experiments play to those different themes and, again, try to get people in the act of experimenting with the themes in the book. Well done. Well done. When you, when you did the modern marketer ones, what was your process for that? I wondered, I wondered how you got the content. Was it like a phone call or did you email it and you had like micromanage all of them to send back their answers? So it was a combination and what worked best by far was a conversation to sort of give some context and set some expectations followed by an email with the Q&A, they would send it back. I would then go through and edit it, proof it, and then send them back a final for publication. How long did that take? <laughs> it took a long, long time. And, you know, there were starts and stops. And I'm so grateful to the group of modern marketers who ended up uh, following through and being a part of the book. There's others who just for other reasons couldn't participate in this one and said, you know, Hey, get me on the next one or have me on the podcast or let's do a blog post together. Uh, so, you know, it was great. And again, this, this whole project was an opportunity for me to interact with people that I admire and I respect and to learn. And, um, again, just, just grateful to all those folks who contributed because I didn't want this to come across as something where Brady was preaching. I wanted it to be, you know, me as the, the guide or, you know, the, your steward into this world of collaboration. And if I can introduce you to the things I found and the people that I, that I admire and that I found, then I thought that would be the best way to, to make it a valuable read. Yeah, it was Drano. It, it, it came across that way. It was a good balance of both. It was a good balance of, yo, I've been doing this for 20 years and I'm passionate about it. And here's what I think. And by the way, most of this is probably right. And then also there's all these cool people and here's look what they said. I'm actually going to do that or a, ver a version of that for, for Lead with Hospitality, my next book, which I appreciate your, your help on, on that and, and recommendations. So uh, Absolutely. I, to, I can't wait to read I it. I wanted to also ask you, did you have, did you have an ideal reader? in mind as you were like, cause, cause you've been writing this thing for like five years, right? Four or five years. <laughs> well, it has been, it has been sort of, uh, marinating for a long time. And I've been collecting these examples of collaborations on a blog, just taking screenshots for, for a few years, but it's really the last year that I just hunkered down and said, you know, I got to do this. I got to really make this thing make this thing happen. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, these are not 
ideas to your point about the the experience and and career trajectory the these are not things that just come to you overnight. And um, they're things that come from observ- observations and many, many conversations before they, they kind of crystallize. And, and then they, they change. One of the challenging things was as we got closer to publication, news would, would happen that I wanted to include in the book. Developments and changes and acquisitions, a brand would, would take on another brand and uh, new new partnerships would be announced, and I have already featured that brand, and I tried to squeeze in as many of them as I could. But you know, everything is happening so fast these days that uh, it's impossible to do that. So I say that because I think that a project like this is one that always will evolve. And so while yes, the idea started a long time ago, um, it, and I'm thinking about the next book. I'm thinking about how I need to create more content around this theme to keep it relevant and to keep myself in touch with what's happening. Um, everything's, everything's an ongoing long process. Who were the people in your, in your mind as you're sitting there early, early one morning or late one night or on a plane and you're writing and you're hammering out chapter after chapter research, who did you have in mind as your ideal reader what, that, that you want to like read this? So ideally, it was chief marketing officers, marketing directors, brand managers. Then, as I wrote, this more personal thread started to evolve, and it was about the use of partnerships and enabling, establishing collaborations to enable more career development and confidence and as an outlet for creative expression and then it started to become a little bit more about you know who are the up-and-comers as you said that might need some of these lessons to help establish themselves in in their careers or to find a better path for their careers so it's it's kind of split between those two groups and then uh and then the last audience was uh Friends and former roommates from the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, for real. Very narrow. For real. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to get your take on that. Um, I also thought I'd share with you and our listeners with whom I, gen, I genuinely believe this book will resonate. And, and here's, here's my list. It's obviously marketing people across a myriad of industries and verticals and pretty much on every level of organizations. If you work in marketing, this works. Another one is entrepreneurs of all shapes and sizes, as you said, who are, who are either currently relying on collaborative marketing partnerships that may or may not be working, or entrepreneurs that know they should be partnering and collaborating, but they're not sure where or how to start. Kind of like me, for example, in this project or my next one, where you and I continue to talk about. So like, you know, authors and bloggers and speakers and podcasters and sportscasters even who are like, you know, kind of 1099 out or artists of any kind. So be it musical artists, dancers, painters, independent graphic designers, or recording artists looking for the next gig. The next one was leaders and organizations who could really take away some valuable insights, stories, and, and, and almost actionable ideas on how to think about and ultimately operate their businesses differently. Another one that came to mind, and you know, we, we both come from a family of teachers, is teachers and professors. 
particularly ones who have a flair for being dynamic and reaching students and connecting with their hearts and minds in new and inspiring ways. There's some nuggets in this book for them in terms of how to help people learn and then go apply what they've learned. And then as my passion is the up and comers who may have the talent, the artistic ability, or the curse of the marketer, as you call it, who may be struggling to find their way in corporate, in the corporate world, or, or at least this would help them kind of like me find some way to cope with all the corporate corporates of it all. And and your book will give hope and encouragement for, for, for those of us that, that just want to, of how to package and harness and unleash our creativity. If for no other reason, but to have an outlet for it. And as you unpack in the book, things will always have a way of falling into place that way, uh, the way they're supposed to. And, and so the key for all of us, as I wrap up my rant, and, and, and what many of, of your lessons and, and, uh, and sorry, recommendations in the book provide are, are the ways that we can simply enjoy the ride along the way. And that's really what it's all about. Yeah, I appreciate that, that overview. You know, when you start a book project, you know, the recommendation is to really narrowly focus on your audience. But I agree with you. There are different pieces in here that I think can appeal to all of those audiences and more. So thanks for such a thoughtful breakdown on that. You, you called out one that is really near and dear to me, and that is artists. And I think it's because I've just been so inspired, as we talked about earlier, by artists over the years and you know when you're at a great concert particularly a smaller show and you're you're close enough to the stage to really feel the energy of what you're seeing and when that person is fully expressing themselves and they're holding nothing back that is just one of those incredible feelings can can you remember a show like that you, that you've been at I'm sure you can it's it's just it's the magic of it is is really powerful and I think when we create, whether it's a blog post or a podcast or even a private journal entry, whatever your outlet is, I really believe that when we consistently create, we tap into that little part of ourselves. And it can sound hokey and a little woo-woo, but there's something really, really powerful there. And uh, I, I started experimenting with this practice called Morning Pages which comes from a book by Julia Cameron. She was a, an acting coach, I believe, and, and she was trying to help people get to, to more of themselves and bringing more of themselves into their practice. And she recommended this idea of just writing three pages, free form. Try not to judge at all what you're writing. If you can't think of what to write after a while, just write, I can't think of what to write, and get to that third page. And do that consistently. And I followed, she's got this great workbook that you can buy as a companion to the book, the core book called the, the artist's way. And I did it for 12 weeks along with the prompts in her workbook. And all of a sudden things just started to kind of happen. And I can only attribute it to the idea that we all take in so much information every day that unless we're focused and, and, actively looking for certain things, we're likely to miss them. So by doing this exercise, we start to hone in on certain things that we want. And, you know, it's kind of like that idea of the secret or manifesting things. I don't know that there's, there's a lot of 
uh, you know, magic happening, I think it's really we're being intentional. And then we just see things that we would have otherwise maybe missed. So a uh, long way of saying, I think that being creative, expressing yourself through whatever outlet it is, uh, is critical to, to life. And I'm inspired by artists who, who do that all the time. And so one of my goals is to help take what I've learned in business and in this case, what I know about collaboration and help, help try to connect dots and build bridges between brands and artists to ultimately lift up artists, knowing that it will lift up the brands and give the, the end audience or consumers something really cool at the same time. And it becomes a win for everybody. I love it, man. I love it. And my favorite chapter was chapter nine, getting personal with collaboration because it, it was relatable in that you admitted to struggling with the very things which, which hold all of us back from taking the leap to do something new, different, or scary. And, and so since you admitted that, admitted that, then I'm like, okay, I trusted you. And then you smacked us in the head with a velvet hammer, giving us a roadmap to get out of our rut, mental or physical, whichever you may be struggling with. And you gave us this roadmap in the end of that chapter of something to do to get out of it. And, and in that chapter, one of my other favorite parts of the book was your boy, Jay, is it Akunzo? Akunzo, yeah. Dope. First of all, he's got game. Second of all, I started <laughs> following him immediately when I got to that chapter. But, but I, love, I loved his, what he said about uh, focusing on exciting, what's exciting you versus inspiring you, although I'm down with inspiration. But like, for example, this right now, like I haven't been this excited in a long time. So like to your point <laughs> about creating and, and, and my passions are, you know, helping and encouraging people, this is exciting. And so I, I couldn't sleep last night. I, I mean, that sounds kind of dorky. It's a podcast that, you know, 923 people will listen to give or take 900, but, but this is fun and it's exciting. So great job with chapter nine. There's so much in this thing. I don't want to spoil it. I want everybody to go out and buy it. And by the way, I bought the audio book this morning um, because I wanted it to be, you sent me the audio cause I'm a VIP, but uh just so you know, I, I got the uh, book on Audible. <laughs> so, Thank so, you. So that it pops up. I've got, you know, Gary V, John Taffer, you know, Sam Bourne, and then Brady. <laughs> it's kind of neat to see us in there with all the other guys. Uh, I wanna... Absolutely. And, and you mentioned Jay Akunzo, just to, to give him another shout out. His podcast, Unthinkable, is really, really powerful. And he is just such a great, interesting guy who I love to learn from and who does drop a few really cool gems in the Q&A in, in Chapter 9. Um, so definitely check out his work. And he's got a book. He's actually about to release his first book. So if you follow uh, Jay, you'll be able to maybe get in on, on his early offer it's not out on amazon but he's doing a, a personal kind of on sale right now so uh check out jay akunzo how did you and meet unthinkable him? sorry i spoke over you there how did, how did you meet him i reached out to him so he does this this is a, a really cool example of somebody who is kind of putting themselves out there in a in a unique in a unique way so jay has I ran into him just on the, the internet, I think somehow, 
and it might have been his podcast. And I signed up for his email newsletter, which he does consistently every Monday, which is so impressive. And it's always great. And, and on one of those emails, he said, if you would like to talk to me for 15 minutes about anything and just pick my brain, I am also looking to get feedback on something and we can split the time, sign up here and I'll, you know, pick a few people every week. And so I just did that, had a quick call with him. Turned out we had all this stuff in common and started a little friendship. And then I said, you know, Hey, you'd be perfect for this. Would you be willing to weigh in? He also introduced me uh, to the team that did my audiobook at Elephant Audiobooks, who are a really great, talented group. And so you just never know what happens when you uh, proactively reach out and connect with people that are, are doing the kind of work that you admire. That's awesome, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go sign up for his newsletter and maybe do the same thing. Yeah, his website his website is sorry for marketing, <laughs> which I absolutely which I love. <laughs> it goes along with the whole curse of the marketer thing. Where does he live? Yeah. So he's in, in New York and he had lived in Boston for a while, so we also had that in common, as well as a few mutual mutual friends. But yeah, I mean that that sort of subversive nature in terms of marketing is is here in the book as well and is always alive and well in our conversations because you know we don't want to be cheesy salesy marketers we're trying to to do some good at the same time as we advance our careers and make money and do all those things to support our our family and our livelihood and our and our fun but um i think there's a way to do both i really do and again that can sound kind of hokey but that's that's what I'm after. And I try to be hyper aware of that in this book. And that goes back to calling out buzzwords and just recognizing that, uh, you know, the world doesn't need another, uh, you know, bad advertising campaign, but the world does benefit from some of the great brands and the marketing that's related to the work that they do, as well as the, the marketing of artists. And again, I see, I see a lot of opportunities for mutual benefit there. And as you know, there's a whole chapter on collaborating for good, which is looking at companies that have a social benefit or even companies that are nonprofits in the way that they have excelled using collaboration. So lots of lessons there that I think people can take regardless of what industry they're in. Absolutely. And there's a lot I, I had taken notes on that I don't think we're going to get to because I want to be respectful of your time as well as everybody else's. But, but just I, I got a couple ideas for how we're going to round this out. But other chapters I thought were huge, and, and particularly for this audience as well, is the next chapter. After chapter nine is, is uh, developing a culture of collaboration, great for any business, any organization, any team, and then establishing a partnership, not only um, sort of what, what makes a good partnership, but also how to go about it. Um, so, so loved, loved, loved the work on that. And then page 325, I just wrote this down, has a subheading that notoriously big opportunities. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I make no, uh, no bones about my love of hip hop and, and all the lessons that I learned from memorizing rap lyrics when I, uh, when I was growing up yeah. uh, and, and the relevance of 
of some of those uh, those brands in that in that hip hop world and how they've translated and transcended into culture and and branding and marketing um, and you know the the other thing about that that last chapter that you mentioned in terms of establishing a collaboration and that culture is it's different in every organization. So that was a, a part of the book that I really wanted to try to, to be prescriptive and make it actionable, but also recognize the unique circumstances that everybody's in. So it's, it's a little bit of a balancing act there, but on the website, collaborationisking.com, you can download what I call a collaboration playbook. And it's this two-page guide. Page one outlines some of the different things you want to consider when you're developing a collaboration. And page two is almost like a bingo board that aligns to those considerations that you can sketch in your notes. So if you have this out in a meeting and you're trying to work through a hypothetical collaboration or you're literally sitting across from a potential partner, this is a little bit of a guide that you can play with. So check that out. That's awesome. I want to go speed round. So real quick, I have a list of questions here that just are pretty cool that I, at least I thought it'd be neat to just get more insight into how you thought about things. So real quick speed round, give me quick answers. We'll run through. And then I want to let you have kind of like a final word. And I think I'm going to try that when I have guests on, I want them to have like the last word and then we kind of mic drop it and then we all go, on with our merry way, but uh, here's a here's a uh, a list here I have. What was your favorite part of this project? Favorite part was the two day intensive I did with my editor, where I rented an Airbnb and we worked from dusk till dawn, brainstorming. We had the giant sticky notes out, and it was it was really intense and really challenging, but also created a lot of momentum. I love it. How long did this whole process take you? If you're planning to do a book, I would say that you, you should realistically look at a two-year window. If you're going to be really committed to it, and you can certainly do it faster um, but you can also take your time. So I think as we touched on earlier, you know, the idea uh, was sort of germinating for a few years and the real hardcore focus was about one year. What is one thing you learned about yourself while creating this for all of us? That I feel best when I'm creating. Amen to that. If you could give one piece of advice to an up and comer who may be listening to this in their car or on the treadmill right now, what would it be? It would be to proactively develop the job that you want. And you, if you're in a job, have to take care of all the responsibilities that you currently have, but don't be afraid to pursue other responsibilities to craft a, a, even a fully new job description or role that you can then work with your teammates, your manager, your boss to actually move into. 
over time and it may take a bit, but I think there's more opportunity than people realize to craft their own roles. Yeah. Practice the future today. If you could give one piece of advice to a leader of an up and comer right now, what would that be? Ask them what they really want to achieve and figure out whether or not that can actually be accomplished in the company. And if it can't help them find another place to pursue that goal, if it can, of course, do everything you can to support them in getting there within your company. I love that. I love that. All right. How can we connect with you on social and all that? You can find me at Brady Sadler, B-R-A-D-Y-S-A-D-L-E-R on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Anchor, where I'm dabbling with my own little podcast audio diary under the moniker Curse of the Marketer. And the book website is Collaboration is King, where, as I mentioned, you can get that playbook download. You can check out the playlist that we talked about at the top. You can get links to purchase the book and you can find uh, my email as well. And what's next for you? Events, initiatives, helping me, what? Absolutely, (laughs) working with you, working with you to get your next book out the door and to to help you get this great message uh, and community of encouragement to grow because I, I think it's it's really a powerful and needed thing in the world and and I think you're the guy to do it and so just want to take a moment to recognize you and thank you for having me on this show and for being so prepared people don't uh, realize if they don't do these kind of interviews what it takes and you spend an inordinate amount of time and put a lot of thinking and passion into making this conversation uh, enjoyable for me and hopefully beneficial to everybody listening. So thank you for doing that. Uh, In addition to helping you, my uh, other big goal is to help more artists. So um, working on a a new concept and a rebirth to One Band, One Brand Um, which is a a platform I've worked on for a long time that tries to create and connect and put a spotlight on those mutually beneficial partnerships that are happening between artists and brands out there. Uh, I'm working to help brands and marketers and some creators wade into the world of podcasting through uh, this, uh, this production company called silent partner studios that I'm involved in. So if you're a brand interested in getting into this space or if you're a creator with an audience on other platforms that's thinking about audio, uh, hit me up. And if you're just a marketer, brand manager, or anyone who is leading an organization and would like to pick my brain uh, on how to position your organization or develop and evolve your marketing plan for the future, um, I'm helping select folks uh, on a project basis do that work as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your art and the gifts that you've shared in the book, as well as on this podcast. Give my best to your wonderful wife, Darian. Hope y'all have a great hike in nature up in Maine. Tell her Jenna and I say what up. And we look forward to syncing up with you, hopefully, when you come back to the West Coast. And then uh, I'll give you the last word. Anything you want to say to the thousands of people 
listening to this podcast, give or take a thousand or two, the mic is yours and then we are out. Well, thanks again, Taylor. And I would just leave everyone with the idea that if you're not feeling like you're in the sort of in the batter's box, really in the swing of things, doing what you love to do, try to find little opportunities to pursue that and recognize that that those can add up after a while and you'll find yourself uh, in a better place. And if there's any way I can help, let me know. Great. Have a great day, man. I'll catch up with you. All right. You too. Thanks, Taylor. Once again, I'm Taylor Scott, and this has been another episode of the Ball Games to Boardrooms podcast. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brady. I know many of you will order his book. I highly, highly recommend it, both in print and in audio. I look forward to inviting a few more of my longtime friends, peer mentors, and account- accountability partners onto the show to share their encouraging stories and thoughts as well. Until next time, I wish everyone a very happy opening weekend of college football. I like Northwestern to upset Purdue at Purdue. I like the Wildcats of Kentucky over the fire up chips of Central Michigan. Sorry to my good friend Jane if you're listening. I like the running Rebs of UNLV to at least cover the 26 points versus the USC Trojans up in Pasadena. And I do like the Irish of Notre Dame, minus one and a half, hosting the Wolverines of Michigan in an absolute blockbuster game out of the gate Saturday night, primetime. I know my wife will be stoked that we'll be watching that one to ring in Labor Day weekend. This podcast is now available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. As always, feel free to share your thoughts with me and let me know what you think so far, topics you'd like to hear more about, guests you'd like to hear on the show, and above all else, how and in what areas of your life, at work or at home, you or your team could use some encouragement. Feel free to email me at taylor at ballgamestoboardrooms.com or reach out via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm at tscott1502. This is a community of encouragement, and all are welcome. If you've already been subscribing to this podcast, great. Thank you so much. If you like it, please leave a review or simply share the link on your social media pages as we continue to grow the community, reach more people, and offer up our encouragement. Thanks for listening.